Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Welcome to episode 242 of Slam Fire Radio for February 2nd, 2018. I'm one of your hosts, Adriel Michaud. And I'm another one of your hosts, Kelly Lynn. And I'm Brian and Trevor, because Brian got <laughs> lost. He was here like 30 <laughs> seconds ago, and like that, he was gone. Lost on the interwebs. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get into things. Uh, first off, what we did with guns this week is... Brought to you by the Calgary Shooting Center, Canada's premier firearms retailer. Uh, right now, they're clearing out their Surefire legacy models. So if you wanted uh, one of the older Surefire flashlights that are really bright, uh, go ahead and check them out. Uh, Trevor, did you want to start us off this week? Um, yeah, so uh, not much. I just got some hours in at... Um DC Armory or Armory DC Gunsmith. They're working with Denis. Um, I ripped apart that Wingmaster that I showed last week on the show and was really disappointed at how deep the pitting was. I mean, the gun was 250 bucks, which was a steal if you wanted to leave it alone, if you didn't care about the pitting. But when I got into it and started to polish it and remove the finish, um, the pitting was, was quite deep. Which wouldn't be too bad, only I made a rookie mistake on the polishing wheel. Uh, I'm still new, I'm still learning, and I usually uh, check, I, I feel like a bug to knee. Like, I'm always showing him the stuff to see if, you know, I don't want to get too deep into something and make a mistake and not be able to correct it. So I stop what I'm doing often and, and check with him to make sure I'm on the right path sort of thing. Um, and there was some deep pitting that was really close to the words Wingmaster in 870 in the serial number. So I decided that I would... Um, I was, I was bragging. I was calling myself a polishing wheel ninja because I was able to get around all the words and get out the deep pitting and, and not mess. You know, I, what I do is I either put tape over the serial number or I take a marker and I mark over the, the markings in the receiver or a barrel that I'm polishing. So when I'm moving the part along the polishing wheel, I've got a real quick and easy visual reference. Stay off of the black marker, stay off of the tape so that I don't uh, remove the marking. And that's okay if you're doing a light polishing. But because there was some seriously deep pitting, what happened was is I would concentrate more so on the area that was pitted than the entire surface, which meant that I didn't blend it correctly. And I had some divots, some dips in the receiver. So there I was with the preserved marking, but noticeable dips in the steel. So I had to go back and, and continue to polish the side of the receiver to blend all those dips and get rid of them. And I lost all the wingmaster markings. So hmm. I, I'm refinishing a wingmaster that will look nice, but won't say wingmaster on it. So I'm, I'm pretty disappointed. Um, I've sunk a lot of money into these projects more than I would have spent um, by buying one really good shape Wingmaster, partly because I spent a lot of money for pristine wooden furniture, vintage stuff, not like the new stuff. It looks better than the new stuff. I also spent, you know, I dropped some 
some money on, and you can go to Cabela's and see what they cost. Um, I got a deal through the shop, but I still spent some serious money on a newly manufactured Wingmaster barrel to avoid all of the refinishing work that would be that we'd have to do to finish uh, an express barrel to a Wingmaster standard. Um, but I'm getting two shotguns out of this instead of one. So spent a fair bit, but I'm getting two instead of one, two different versions. So it'll still be cool. But anyway, um, that's what I, that's what I've been up to. We got one prepped, the one that I got from you, Adriel, we got that prepped for, um, parkerizing. Um, parkerizing is so simple. You degrease it and then you sandblast it, blow all the sand off, parkerize it. And I may have that backwards. It may be, um, yeah, no, it's degrease, then sandblast, then parkerize. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. the simplest of, of, the, but, of the finishes. Yes. If with, with parkerizing, you have to put oil or something on it. You can't just leave it as is. After it's been sandblasted, you mean? No, after you, so you put the parkerize on it. Yep. Still need to coat it in something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Same as when they come out of the bluing tank. When they come out yep. of the bluing tank, they get coated in oil and they stay in oil for a couple of days before you clean it off and reassemble them yeah, when I get nice, to work them. The nice thing about parkerizing is that it'll like soak in that oil because it's got some more spots for that oil to kind of soak in. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of a porous finish. So, um, but at least with, with, with your receiver, the, the pitting wasn't bad at all. So I didn't lose any of the markings. So, but I'm not using yours for the high end finished wing master because it was drilled and tapped and I want a unmolested receiver, but now it's totally molested because I've had to remove the markings by doing so much pulsing to blend out my mistakes. So it turns out I'm not a ninja after all. Um, Unless it's like overzealous. Yeah. 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 So I'm shaped like the panda ninja or whatever that cartoon guy was there. But uh, yeah. So, so that's it for me. Just uh, been to the shop doing some, some stuff at the shop. Who's next? Uh, Brian, did you want to go over what you did in guns this week? Um, yeah, real briefly, uh, got to the range actually on the weekend, uh, for the first time in a long time, uh, got to see our brand new, back range trevor you've been at the back range at my club right yes well it's all the walls are twice as high now i think really and yeah it's it's like i'm in a i'm in a canyon now so uh, we got a deal on dirt and the club spent all last year getting that uh, put together the range is actually open temporarily until the frost comes back out of the ground and then we have to get it seated but it's it's open for now so i got to use that um uh, got to actually get my lightweight upper finally actually zeroed. Um, I'd been shooting a little bit, but just kind of messing around with, you know, group size and that sort of stuff. And then I figured, hey, I should actually have it centered up. So when I shoot at something, I, it hits what I'm aiming at. Um, always, you know, kind of a, a detail, right? Having a gun zeroed. Um, and once I did that, I decided to actually do some positional shooting shooting some sitting some kneeling position just because i haven't done that for quite a while and it was good to get out and squeeze the trigger for a purpose for uh because i haven't done i haven't done any shooting i don't think since before christmas here it is end of january but it's really? been ugly yeah well it's been gross out right like yeah, it has been. you know and um yeah so i'm just trying to focus my time on doing stuff that's not cold um now, the last thing, um, I, pu I put together that upper last fall, and I contacted the CFC 
after I did that to change the registration on that on that lower receiver to add that barrel length um, to the receiver. Uh, initially, I, I I called them because I said, "Well, can I just can I have multiple barrel lengths on a restricted firearm?" And the lady on the phone was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's no problem. Can I have it actually show up on the card where I have multiple barrel lengths?" Yeah, that should be fine. So they they did the change and sent me the new card back at mm, end of November. And of course, it just had my new barrel length, the shorter one, the 14 and a half inch. So yeah, all right, I'll get around to calling them and getting that straightened out. And here at the end of January, full two months later, um, I finally called them again to say, hey, um, I had really meant for this to have multiple barrel lengths listed on it. Is that possible? And can I get my card changed? And the gentleman on the phone at this time said, um, "We can't, you can have multiple barrel lengths registered to a receiver, which I didn't realize 100% was true. Um but we will we won't give you a card that shows multiple barrel lengths. We'll only show the shortest barrel length that you have registered to that receiver. Okay, that sort of makes sense because at some point there's only so much room on the card, I guess. Oh, uh, and he said, Oh, and yeah, uh, we only have one barrel length registered to that receiver. The other one was removed. Oh, great. Thanks. CFC, I really appreciate that. Well, so can we get that change? Yeah, we've got that change. We put the old the old barrel length back on because they have a, a record of that. So at least now my receiver in theory is is set up um, so that I can take either upper whenever I want. I don't have to carry both of them with me and kind of going around that hole. You have 30 days to notify the CFC of, of any change to barrel length, which kind of makes sense because there's no barrel length I can put on an AR receiver in Canada to, to make it non-restricted or more restricted. It just, it is what it is. So that's, that's how I'm going to roll with that for now. I am going to follow up with them again next week when I have a minute, just to make sure that they actually put that barrel length on my, um, on the registration wise because, what's that wise yes wise yeah, because people I, make mistakes and stuff yeah i mean they don't have any motivation to do it right i'm motivated for them to do it right but they they're not so yeah we'll, we'll see so yeah that that's that's about it and um yeah i'm just trying now to get out of the debt hole that i put myself into over christmas and last fall building this upper so i'm i'm chilling out with money for a while for, on gun stuff so I, I too built an upper I forgot to talk about. Could I oh, go ahead? Next week. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> next week? Okay. <laughs> I'll jump back to you. Go for it, Trevor. Thanks, man. Uh, um, yeah, so this uh, is oh, a lot stupid. I don't want to I don't know about it. Oh stop. A lot of people <laughs> don't know about this. This is, this is my cute kitty cat. So oh, um, a tiny little AR. Yeah. It's a baby AR. It hasn't grown up yet. So it's a mock-up. This will not be the handguard that stays on the gun. This was a, a little bit like of a, a long... quad rail. Yeah, it was a quad rail that I actually had to cut down. So as you can see, the gas tube is not actually here. This is the front sight that Bolivar sent me. It doesn't have pins. I got another one coming with pins. But this barrel's not notched for pins. So yeah, Denny and I will have to get that done. So what this is, this is actually this was given to me by a listener. It's a Colt A2 upper. Um, right now it's sitting on my STI three gun lower. Someday it will sit on its own Colt lower. Um, in the meantime, I'll probably put it on a whatever lower. I don't care. Cheap Nork or I don't care. Whatever. It'll get a, it'll get a lower, but ultimately I would really like to have it on a Colt lower. 
So it's all Colty. So what was I going to do? I mean, I, I'm not a fan of carry handle uppers. Um, but it looks but so cool. It looks so cool just having a carry carry handle upper and an iron front sight. Yeah. It's a tiny little baby gun. It is. It is. This is like the original PDW. They called them, mm-hmm. their their nickname was the Kitty Cat. And um, they came in both, I think, DPMS. I don't know how long DPMS has been a, around. A commando like that? Yeah. That short? Yeah, I think so. But um, anyway, if you Google M16 Kitty Cat or AR15 Kitty Cat, you will see this gun. Seven and a half inch barrel, A2 front sight, A2 upper with carry handle. Um, the grip will be an A2. This is the grip that stays on my three gun rifle. So I'm not taking that off just for illustration purposes. But this is the, the style of stock that's going to be on it. So uh, shout out to listener Cody. I think... I agreed to purchase a stock tube buffer and spring from Cody on like Monday. And it was here on Wednesday from BC. Wow. Yeah. Oh, even, what? Yeah. yeah he, <laughs> That's he, across the country. Yeah. He overnighted that stuff and didn't charge me shipping. So he gave me a really good price that included shipping. And I do mean a really good price. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Shout out to Cody for that. So that's another project I got going on. So I'm building two eight seventies an SLR and a kitty cat simultaneously, but I'm not, I'm not broke or anything for the rest of my life and can't go anywhere or do anything. Cause I'm dumb. <laughs> I, I'm going to be really curious to see how that thing zeros. Um, Cause that, that rear sight and front sight were not meant to be that close together. That's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a 25 meter gun. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, he, he, he'd like to not have to aim over top of your target at 25 yards just to hit it. So I'm, I'm just curious to see see how it lines up. It'll be, you, it'll be interesting. Are you guys hearing Brian as like a robot voice, Brian? Yeah. Yes, we are. Yeah, Brian, you're compressing. Yeah. You're Brian, you have to go voice. feed the mice. Yeah. You're like mm. drunk bender. <laughs> drunk bender. All right. Uh, let's see here. Is that me then? Yep. Okay. I'm doing me then. Uh, let's see here. So my C96 stock came in. This is not a real one. Not even close. This is like just a cheap Chinese eBay one, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's like a, it's a wood holster stock for this. Uh, I don't have a real C96 in here. This is the uh, that, that Gletcher BB gun, but uh, full auto oh. BB gun. Yeah, look at that. Look forget. That. That's amazing. That's Ooh, cool. So cool. Pull the machine gun museum that Filthy takes us to has one of those all genuine though, like the real deal. Oh, that costs real money though. This oh, this, real money, yeah. <laughs> no, this doesn't cost real money. I had to uh, I had to work the uh, uh, adapter on it uh, over quite a bit before it fit, but now it's nice and tight on there. And uh, bada bing, bada boom. Now you've got a cool. stocked, uh, you know, Mauser machine got? pistol. <laughs> yeah, CO two. What's that? CO two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It takes um, it takes mags. So yeah. you, you've got a mag that's and you'll you'll load this thing up with a CO two cartridge and a whole bunch of BBs. The mags are pretty cheap. And then you uh, here pop that guy in, and then you got like eighteen rounds of BB Fury. So I'm gonna go up to my parents' place this weekend, and I'm gonna let a squirrel like have it with this thing <laughs> <laughs> on video. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I might do like a GoPro on the head or phone in my other hand and just kind of like one hand this guy. Do the GoPro. uh, To get the boys to go out there. It's about time they witness something like that. (laughs) 
<laughs> I've already well, I've, I've got the uh, I got that one deer blind that the squirrels keep coming into. So if I see any squirrels in there, it's going to be close. They'll be like a meter away, maybe, and they're going to get a full like this thing fires fast. I don't know if you guys watch the video. It's, I did. it's it like lets them rip, and uh, we'll find out if oh. it's uh, lethal. <laughs> but uh, I'm so I'm so happy with this thing. Like this is not like the finish on it's not fantastic, and it it smells like that chemically like leather kind of thing. But uh, Chinesium. It smells yeah. like Chinesium. Oh, it cost me like fifty bucks shipped, <laughs> and it's like it's ready to rock and roll. You wear kind of like a man purse. You throw this thing over your shoulder, and <laughs> that thing kind of sits next to you. That is silly. Yeah, yeah, fun, fun stuff. Uh, I sold my Beretta. I don't know. You didn't talk about that trip, <laughs> no, but I, totally, I didn't. I, I didn't put anything in the notes, so I totally forgot. Yeah, I also <laughs> bought a gun this week. Uh, I don't know when you're getting paid. By the way, we didn't discuss that. Wait, did you ship it yet? <laughs> I should have no. waited. I should have waited until <laughs> you shipped it to tell you you weren't getting paid for a while. <laughs> Oops. Uh, yeah, that's sitting on my floor. So this barrel. The barrel's sitting right there too. I just got to pack them up and put them in the mail. Yes, please. Yep. I got a, I got a receiver uh, that's parkerized and needs to have that barrel parkerized to match it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's the last piece of the puzzle now. Sold my M14. I didn't have that very long. Uh, let's see here. I may have ordered a shotgun. You don't know. So, well, okay. So the, the, this. Um, <laughs> Simon from SNJ is doing like this group buy uh, thing. Right. Where yeah, yeah. He comes across a deal, and and this deal for this shotgun, this intro one, is um, minimum of I think I can't remember fifteen or twenty five shotguns at a max of like fifty, and he'll buy a whack of them and then mail it out to everyone, and uh, and you get a shotgun for cheaper than it would have been if you would have bought it from like Canada Ammo or something like that. So it's a fourteen inch pump, walnut stock, Turkish shotgun, uh, three chokes. And uh, two fifty, two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, I don't need it, but uh, I want it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. I ordered uh, an M1 Grand sling just to have like a cotton adjustable sling on hand. Um, and like I ordered GI like we use in maple seed. Yep, yep, cool. exactly. Yeah, uh, this one, one was from Greece. It, uh, it was like uh, when I, I know I, ha- I know I have that one as well. Okay. Remind yeah. me to mail it to you. Stacy's going to kick my ass all over Canada. I've only had it for like 18 months. Um, <laughs> she sent me a picture of it like a long time ago. I'm like, oh, cool. And I just, I just did it. It was actually one year ago at this time because I saw it getting made. <laughs> so at this particular I moment, I actually picked it up and brought it across the border and mailed it to you. Yep. Just- and at this particular moment in time, I have no idea where it is. It's in this building somewhere. <laughs> when I mail you your your bolt action pen and your 1911, I, I'll, I'll put the I'll put, and what else was I going to send you? You'll have to remind me of all the things I promised. Yeah, box yeah. keeps growing, and then we'll have to like reconcile whatever we owe each other. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've, lo- I've lost track. I don't know anymore. Oh, uh, me too. Um, I ordered an SKS chest rig, not because I need one, what? but because I kind of want one. Have you ever seen them? It's, it's like a, a chest thing? rig. They have like a whole bunch of little like spots for the stripper clip, uh, stripper clips full of ammo on them. It's like a vintage thing or a newly manufactured? Yeah, like from the six, like 1960s Vietnam War era. I need one. Uh, chest rig. And <laughs> uh, they're, they're like 15 bucks. And I was like, I don't need this, but we're going to have this historical shoot. Again, I don't really need the ammo capacity, but I want it. Have so. you seen this? This is the same idea, but this is from World War II for your Lee Enfield. You put your stripper clips in here. 
Yeah, loaded stripper clips, right? Front yep. to back, or uh, just one? They no, you get. Um, I just happen to have some on hand, of course. Um, they go in that's this for, that's way for home defense. Well, 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 I mean, my jungle carbine <laughs> is, is for the if you know, my jungle carbine is right there. The stripper clips are right here. And, you know, there's worse things to defend yourself with. So yeah, you put um, two in. One in the front, one in the back. There's a little divider in there, and they fit in there like oh, that. Cool. Yeah, and yeah. then this would have gone on to whatever the World War II webbing was at the time. So, listener sent me that with a whole bunch of other stuff a, a little while back. Very cool. But um, I don't have the SKS one, so... Yeah, they're cheap, and they fit them. like a pile of ammo. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, it was a guy... Really heavy. There's a video of a guy shooting a CQB match with an SKS, and he was feeding it with stripper clips, and he was pulling them off of some kind of chest thing. Uh, let me see here. It's not going to be long before I find one. There's one, and I'll do a screen share. And Wabamo, there. That's that's what you're looking at right there, is one of these guys. And this is I don't know. They're like 15 bucks on eBay, and they'll be like they have some new reproductions, and then they have the old ones that are just as cheap. So I got one of the old ones. <laughs> it's it screams communism. Yeah, yeah. The from the wood like not buttons, but I don't know what what do you call those. Those like round things that like they're not buttons. They just kind of like fit in the loops. Toggles. Toggle. Sure. Why not? I guess it's toggle. Yeah. Fasteners. <laughs> clasps. Yeah. Yeah. You fit a few. Fit a ton of rounds with this thing, right? So, um, fourteen stripper clips, one hundred forty rounds, one hundred forty rounds on your chest, man. That to be heavy. Nice. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess that's it for me, uh, Kelly. What about you? Didn't do anything. Oh, that's Nothing. Easy. <laughs> I was supposed to go to SFRC on the Saturday, but I didn't end up going because my washer and dryer blew up. They hate me. Did you uh, shoot your washer and dryer? No, but that's a good oh. idea. Did it stop because of ammo-related uh, instances? Was there ammo like rolling around in there? Is that why it stopped? No. No. I tried. But, so I didn't actually go out, but one of the ladies from SFRC met me here at my place, but I didn't buy anything. Um we got an iTunes review. Somebody asked about their calendar. Uh, it didn't have a sticker on the back. I just wanted to talk about that. So if you do have a CCFR calendar without a sticker on the back of it, email Tracy Wilson at info at uh, firearmrights.ca and she'll get you a number too because we just had uh, another draw today, actually. And uh, we found out that there was a few that didn't have stickers on them. So when they got sent out. so if Did you I win? Have, um, did you register it? And no, yeah, you did not win. Oh. Ashley won this one. It Jeff a... Reese is actually calling me. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. Me. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's everything that I've done. Not really. Actually, we have one more thing. Um, okay. So we sent everybody uh, emails for Project Maple Seed for the instructors, and the deadline just passed yesterday. And we have. As of now, we have 42 people who want to be instructors. Oh. That's, That's incredible. <laughs> it's almost like a relief. There's a, like a weight off a weight off my shoulders, everybody's shoulders. It's just like because of the fact that we have so many people. Like the caliber of people who said that they'd like to be instructors is amazing. So it's um, it's really, really cool. And we're going to have to learn how to speak Russian because one of the guys, Stanislav from uh, New Brunswick, he's signed up as well. Oh, I hope I could have said his name. Anyways, he's the guy that... <laughs> He's the guy that shot uh, one of the MQTs with his SKS. So it was awesome. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he signed up as well. So 
Very cool. Uh, just in terms of your instructors there, so like you've got a ton of them there. Are you going to be putting together like a really good package to, to get to all of them to make sure that consistency is really good? Yeah, actually, we have a, a complete package put together. Uh, we have videos. We're going to use Skype. We're going to use people locally as well. We're going to have uh, get-togethers for training, and it's going to be – so people who actually want to become uh, instructors, they're going to – it's going to be at their own pace, but at the same time, we're going to help them along as well. So, and again, we'll be getting across the country, and we hope everybody who is signed up to be an instructor will come to the events, and they can learn – it's going to be like uh, hands-on learning as well. So it should be good. Yeah, awesome. we have a really, really, really comprehensive um, uh, training package that's been put together. Videos, uh, manuals, everything. So, Yeah. How's the distribution? Do you guys have a lot of people in like BC and Alberta and Saskatchewan and that kind of thing? Yeah, actually right across the country, So, which is really good. Uh, BC is yeah. a little late because of the fact that we didn't get to BC last year. I'm um, mm -hmm. hoping that we will get some people when we go there this year. And mm -hmm. yeah, so we have people in New Brunswick who've signed up uh, or we're interested, people in Prince Edward Island, people who are lots in Ontario, Quebec, um, Saskatchewan, Alberta. Alberta is quite heavy, um, but yeah, right across the country. So it's good. Yeah, that's awesome. I think uh, I think that's a key thing is to get lots of instructors uh, all across the country because you guys are like too. There's too many people in Canada for just you guys to do. Everyone go on yeah. these massive road trips and try to try to yeah. teach everyone, right? So five people across the country for the entire year, it's not going to happen. So <laughs> you get a killer tan, but <laughs> yeah, they did, didn't they? They got a good tan last year. Yeah, exactly. I didn't go. I didn't go to Alberta, but I stayed in I stayed in Ontario where it rained. All the time. Awesome. All right. Well, let's move on to upcoming events. Trevor, are you with us? I'm here. All right. I'm going to start him, reading about the... Uh, he, sh he shipped me a gun. Just <laughs> out of the kindness of his own heart. Being broke yeah. like a minute ago. Jeff Jeff cuts me the most amazing deals on guns. So there, there just happens to be a Savage Mark II in the mail. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. And then I, I just talked... I actually talked to him out of buying a gun just now. And um, then he wants to know when he's coming on to give a uh, recap about Shot Show. So I told oh. him that we were we yeah, were we have him on for that. We're booked up until like into March now for guests. So um, we'll have to see. Maybe we can do two guests next week and no uh, no emails or something. Maybe just yeah. Yes, yeah, I think that's a good idea. We need to capitalize on Shot Show. Right Shot now. Show can't be stale dated. Can't leave it a month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right, let's uh, move on to upcoming events. And the one that we've got here is just more details on the 8th Annual Podcast Network Charity Shoot. Uh, this is a three-day event, July 5th to 7th. Trevor, I'm just going to take this, just jump in if I say anything incorrect. Mm -hmm. uh, this year's charity will be a local ALS charity. There will be details to follow on that. Uh, day one, July 5th, will be the Ferlacci Handgun Fundamentals class. There will be 15 spots. Price is 100 bucks, which is pretty decent. Uh, with no, all there's proceeds. not 15 spots. Back up the train. People have been. I, I updated a lot of the. I, it's posted in three different places on Facebook, and I updated mm -hmm. a lot of them. We're now. Uh, we now have nine people signed up, and it only got posted this afternoon. So if you want in on that, wow. uh, make send an email quick. to Slamfire Radio. Yeah. If you post online, I'd like the pistol class. It might get buried in the thread. So if you really want to make sure you're in the pistol class, please send an email. Uh, that email is slamfireradio at gmail.com. Yep. Day two, July 6th, will be a maple seed shoot. 
pre-registration is required. There'll be 20 spots. And again, that's number's probably gone down. Make sure I got a spot. No one's uh, registered. Yeah, we haven't oh. opened we haven't opened up the registration yet. So well, I'm in the registration then. <laughs> <laughs> all uh, right. All right. Cost is fifty dollars, thirty dollars for law enforcement, uh, fifteen dollars for youth. Registration starts at seven thirty AM there. Yeah, so online? when you come in, no. So registration you do have to register when you get there. So it'll be seven thirty. So class okay. the, the course starts at eight o'clock. Okay, cool. Uh, let's see here. Registration round count is 300 rounds, which I imagine I'll be borrowing from one of you guys for with one of your guys's 22s as well. Sure. Yes. Yes. All right. Bor- Day three. Borrowing. 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 Yes. Borrowing. borrowing. Yeah. You can have the cases back. Uh, <laughs> July 7th will be the charity shoot registration at 9 a.m. Cost is $25. There's going to be a four events. The first will be a mini steel challenge match. Uh, the four steel challenge matches will be, or sorry, stages will be accelerator, pendulum, smoke and hope, and five to go. And if you know steel challenge, those are all like very standard uh, stages that they have. Uh, these are USPSA steel challenges. You can Google them, or you can probably find YouTube's on uh, like how to shoot them and all that kind of thing. Uh, mini round count is one hundred. Bring two hundred. There'll be three divisions: twenty-two pistol, twenty-two rifle, and uh, nine millimeter or above handgun. The second event will be a 22 rifle silhouette gallery style shoot, a distance of approximately 18 meters, 20 rounds of 22 LR. You'll be shooting five rams, then five turkeys, then five pigs, then five chickens. Uh, The third event will be a round of trap, 25 rounds of shotgun, your choice of gauge, but shoot it with a 12 or a 20. Yeah, I just want to jump in there. Events two and three will happen simultaneously. We'll do the pistol shoot, the steel challenge at the back of the range. Then when that's done, everybody moves to the front of the range where the rifle range and trap range is and where the silhouette range will be set up. Uh, some people will shoot trap while some people shoot silhouette. So go shoot your round of trap, then make your way over to the silhouette and shoot your silhouette. Hopefully you won't have to wait too long to do either, but you, you know, both of those will happen simultaneously to speed things along. Awesome. Uh, finally, we'll end the day with a fun rifle and pistol shoot. Bring whatever you want to distances between 100 and 200 on the rifle range, 18 meters on the pistol range with a steel plate rack, dueling tree and a hostage target. All three events will take place at the Rescue Gun Club in Balmoral, New Brunswick. Barbecue will be provided by Smoke on the Water. That'll be smoked meat, sides, and drinks. And that's extra? You yes. gotta pay for that, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, the invitation letter will be on the Rescue Gun Club's website soon. Are you going to put it on the Facebook group as well for the 8th annual? Yeah, we'll put a link to that. Shout out to Stacy, who's uh, actually working the letter, putting logos and stuff like that. Um now, the, uh, in the past, what we did was we did a fun rifle shoot where everybody congregated on the rifle range. But I thought, hey, if we have enough field officers to go around, I'll set up a bunch of X-Metal steel targets on the pistol range. And you can hang out on the pistol range and shoot pistol or go to the rifle range or one or the other or both. You know, the last couple hours of the day will just be a free-for-all fun shoot. Everybody loves to shoot steel. So we'll set up um, the hostage target, the the plate rack and the um, dueling tree the plate rack will have a cord attached to it so you can reset it from the shooting line no one ever has to go down range to reset just have at or have fun kind of with the pistols in that uh, yeah blast some steel and then uh 
you know, just float around, go back and forth. If you transport your firearm on the range, it just either needs to be unloaded in a holster or cased if it's a long gun. Cool. Yeah. All right. Why don't we move on to news? Um, I saw someone clicked on this. Uh, who wants to take this one from James? I guess I will. Um, I don't think you will. No, you, you're no. still robot-y. Okay, you just yeah, wanna, never mind there. All right. re- uh, do you just want to reconnect, Brian? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take this one. I'm not too robot-y here. Um, students arrested after gun photo prompts. Oh, boy. Comics? Comics. Comics. Uh, Comics. Comox Valley Sorry. School closures, um, and those are some real bliggy gats they got. But uh, three yeah. Comox Valley high schools were closed Thursday after a picture was posted to social media of two teenagers posing with what appeared to be guns. Uh, the Comox Valley di- School District confirmed that high schools uh, Marquisfield, J.P. Vanier, and Highland were shut down after police determined one of the three schools was not safe. Some 3,000 staff and students were told to stay home out of precaution. Uh, RCMP later confirmed two students were arrested for uttering threats and have since been released to the care of their parents. So looks like some uh, kids doing dumb kid stuff, mm-hmm. threatening people and showing pictures with the, of them with guns. Well, yeah. the photo included texts such as shooter gang and don't come to school tomorrow. So... Yeah. That was not a smart thing to do to post on social media. No. No. <laughs> Just post the pictures of you with the guns. Why not? But uh, you, uh, don't come to school tomorrow. It's probably not the piece you want to put online there. Just pro no. tip from uh, social media people, you know? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking of someone who's taken threat assessment from within the context of a school setting and someone who knows the... Um, politics of schools um one thing that you will uh, often notice is that there's no response from the school schools yeah. do not um make any statements in the media because you, you can't win so they don't play they and it's also like confidentiality they're not going to ever comment publicly about a student situation or a case or anything like that so that's why there's never any response from the school but um these things don't happen in isolation. Uh, it's my experience that this was probably not a first time kind of offense for these particular individuals. Speculation, but it was I'm also pretty, exam day. It was Just also exam day, so yeah, there's a motive there of uh, let's let's not write exams tomorrow by making a couple of <laughs> by so, getting arrested. Yeah, uttering threats. Well, you know, yeah. you need a viable excuse to get on an exam, and maybe getting arrested is one of them. Yeah, so, seem to have worked for them. So. Yeah, this falls into the category of play stupid games. Well, now, yeah. if, if you miss your exams because you were arrested, is that a viable excuse to get to rewrite? Pretty good the excuse. Yeah, yeah, we were arrested because we were trying to not write the exams. I don't, I don't know if they would look very kindly upon that. No. I'm not a teacher or anything like that, but. Well, they can get at a school free card. They'll get kicked yeah. out. They'll be expelled. So they don't really have to write because of the fact that they're expelled. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, you're back, Brian. You sound better. I I don't know if I sound better. You, you do. You do. All right. Cool. Way better. Awesome. And I have no sympathy for kids. I wrote an exam <laughs> after getting into a car accident going to high school. <laughs> I have no. I have no sympathy for kids. 
Brian Bolivar. <laughs> I read that in the card once. <laughs> I'm gonna. So I've already got that clip like ready to rock and roll, and I'm pulling that one out when you when you're gone from the show for a day. I'm pulling that sucker out. <laughs> Can you send me that? Because I'd like to uh, use that on my own kids. <laughs> That'd be uh, awesome. All right, let's get into some uh, new gun stuff. Uh, this first one is on SNG. I talked about this a little bit uh, just as a start. Right, they're doing this group buy website. Um, where I guess if they come across a deal where they need a bunch of buyers, it's kind of interesting. It's like almost like a Kickstarter group buy kind of a thing. Sure. Yeah, yeah, kind of neat. So that's there. Um, the RDBs are coming into Canada. Um, do you guys see these? Fifteen hundred bucks, the Caltech RDB. Yes, I saw yes. that today. That I. Mm. Oh, here we go. I'm upset that I have no money. What? I want one. What? Sure. Oh, my head's going to explode. Why? Oh, please. Oh, please. Uncamera. That would be great. What? <laughs> <laughs> one of these? Oh, yeah. No, I think it looks cool. I do, too, but not bad enough. I think I want to get one of the Maccabi uh, rifles going yeah. first. Yeah, yeah, no, no, right. yeah. yeah. It no, I get looks that. cool, Brian. They do yeah, look it just cool. Looks, it looks neat. And, you know, bottom and jack, totally ambi. No, I think I think it would be nice. I'd like to finally dive into the bullpup world. This bit. is not the rifle to do it. Get it to Vor. Yeah. Get something yeah. proven, not made of clamshelled plastic. Hey, well, look, remember, I have real rifles. I can have something here that's not the, the best thing going. That that's okay. Yeah. Just, anyway, regardless, I, I am not going to be getting one. So it's okay, Trev. Okay, Show. I'll, I'll uh, <laughs> I'm untriggered. I was really hoping you, that you would rage quit. <laughs> I really was. <laughs> Is there a way I can hang up on Brian only? <laughs> um, yeah. call him and hang up on him. Uh, I think Adriel can. <laughs> oh, Maybe. Man. Um, yeah, I mean, I was I was really interested in him until I started Googling around and looking at the accuracy. It looks like most people are getting right around 3M away, and that's not accurate enough for what i would be doing the, with uh with this thing which would be hunting coyotes so i think uh i think that leaves me with the maccabee uh slr and uh, yeah yeah and the slr will depend on your barrel uh, barrel and yeah. uh bolt fit, fit. nice barrel gotta, i'm gonna put all my yeah. money like i'll put all my money in a in an excellent uh 18 and a half or 20 inch barrel for it and that'll be my coyote killer straight up yeah. 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 Honestly, unless they've done something really wrong, if you put a decent barrel on it, it's got to shoot decent. Yeah. Cool. Um, have you guys seen the Brownells retro rifles? I might actually like to. Yes. And I'm in love with them. And Filthy sent me a link in Facebook PM today uh, that Wolverine, it's off of Reddit. Wolverine is going to be carrying these things, but they're mental mental expensive. Uh, Are they? Yep. Huh. Well, here's one thing that, that, the original, that I don't know right? if they thought of, but the original AR-10 design is uh, is not named restricted. So if they have an original AR-10 design, that's not like a modern one that's based off the AR-15. That's like one of these old style ones. Uh, we might get them non-restricted. Yeah, but twenty-inch barrel. Yeah, but like, okay, put some put some optics on this thing. Well, it's no. Regardless, is it going to be? <laughs> Uh, cost more than the 308 Tavor? Is it going to cost more than the modern Hunter? If it does, then... Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly going to cost more than a BCL. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But they look really cool. 
Yeah, keep going. That's the one I want. Nope, one more. Yeah, the 16A1. That's the one I want. Mm. That one will be restricted, definitely. Yeah, of course. But I just, you know, I grew up with that image in my mind as the M16. Mm -hmm. You've seen the Canada Ammo Norinco ones that they make for these, right? They also make like a 12 twist. They do, uh, yeah. A triangular guard thing. Yeah. Not as nice as what this one would be, probably. Oh, there you go. <laughs> There's your yeah, not quite the kitty cat, but <laughs> getting close. They they started off um, doing YouTube videos telling people you can build this gun by buying these particular parts from us, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they started to offer these rifles direct. Yeah, well, they had they have sense. an AR builder or something like that, but uh, yeah, these are really <clears throat> cool, really cool. Yep, especially since we can get them in Canada, or we'll eventually be able to get them in Canada. Mm-hmm. So, anyone want to cover the Hudson? Uh, yes, actually, I do. Um, right. Don't hold your breath, kids. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Um, Hudson has been approached by many Canadians at Shot Show trying to secure um, a distributorship, importation, exclusivity deals, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And Hudson's answer has always been, "No, we must fulfill our domestic market demands first before we look at." out of country. That was a story in year one. That's still the story in year two. What Iron Guns is doing is taking guns that were intended for the American market and exporting them to Canada. And if American uh, dealers find out that Canadians are getting Hudson's before they do, I'm pretty sure Hudson's going to have something to say about this. Wait and see. Um, I'm not holding my breath that this is actually going to come through. I don't mean to be doomy and gloomy, but I think Hudson may may tell Iron Guns that they, I, yeah. Well, but what Iron Gun says is that they're in stock for February delivery. So, um it's possible that Hudson will shut them down eventually, but at least for now they're saying they have stock, so those Some ones might get in, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a gray area and these are well, considered gray market guns. Well, it um, is. Yeah. You know, like take mm-hmm. for example um Okay, so somebody in Canada has exclusive importation rights and, and is the exclusive dealer for brand X, Y, and Z. So somebody buys brand X, Y, and Z from Iron Guns and has a problem with it. And they contact the Canadian distributor and they run that serial number and they're like, we've never sold this gun to any Canadian dealers. How did you get it? Oh, I bought it through Iron Guns. Well, then you call Iron Guns. That's yeah, kind of, and that's yeah. yeah that that is the issue. That is one of the issues with Iron Guns. Now, in this case, if there is no Canadian distributor, you got no one to call anyway. So you've, mm-hmm. you've got to yeah, deal with exactly. Iron Guns. Period. End yeah. of story. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So very cool. good. Well, um, tenuously bringing on a transition here. Speaking of 1911 grip style guns, why don't we head on to our main topic about (laughs) good effort. Good effort. (laughs) I try. And welcome to the show, Adam from Atlas Gunworks. Welcome, Adam. Thank you for having me. So uh, maybe just for our listeners, why don't you tell us just real briefly about Atlas Gunworks? What what kind of uh, products do you guys offer and how long have you been around? So we're 19 and 2011 um, style, I should say. Um, that, that turns out 2011's trademark. But um, so 1911, 1911 high cap pistols is what we do. That's it. We don't do anything else. Um, and we, uh, we started as a gunsmithing and uh, manufacturing, and now we only manufacture. So 
Um, I can tell you where to get good service done, but we only service our own stuff. Um, and I came, I'm a competitive shooter. I found this sport in my late twenties. I was addicted the first time I saw it. I didn't even have to do it. And so I, I, the cool part about Atlas Gunworks and, and if you get to talk to me, which a lot of the customers do, I'm super available is that uh, the progression of guns and questions and problems that you, that you will face as a new shooter. I did the exact same thing and I made a lot of bad choices. So started shooting, shot my first match with um, a SIG 229 um, mm-hmm. in Limited, which is not a game winner um, <laughs> as from a pistol standpoint. And then got a Glock 35 and then switched to a 2011 and then started trying to move up the thing. And, and um, I was often the guy who was trying to buy a gun because the wait time back then was uh, 18 months. What, buy a gun, quit, you know, buy a used gun and try to have it up and make it work. And everybody who sold you one said it was perfect, and when you got it, it was far from that. Hmm. So um, Atlas Gunworks came about because I saw a need in the market, and and I wanted to solve the fact that the guns um, take too long to get was the primary problem. The quality was not there was a secondary problem. And the third problem, I think the price was, was too high. So I'm a business guy. I don't know anything about machining. I don't know anything about making guns. You guys called me a pistol smith a few minutes ago. I I am not a pistol smith. We're not gunsmiths here. There's not a single gunsmith that works at Atlas Gunworks. If you bring us a Remington 870, uh, good luck. I mean, maybe we'll, I'm sure we'll get it apart, but it's not what we do. We're not gunsmiths. We 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 decided we were going to build a dedicated platform. And uh, my business partner, the beauty of Atlas Gunworks, and and he is truly the um, the the reason the machines are awesome. Is was a master machinist. So he had built all my guns for those years. I wouldn't wait for a gun. And and when we decided to do this, we just sought out. It turns out one of the best pistol um, builders and mechanical geniuses in the world lived in our town as a retired guy. And, and he was willing to teach us how to do it his way. And his name's Al Zitta. So Al invented the, the AR with a spring on the top so you could have a folding stock. ZM Weapons is his company. Hmm. And he's invented the the AccuWedge, I think, for the ARs. Oh, he's invented a whole bunch of stuff in this. You bought a Dawson mainspring housing, it would say ZM on it. That That's that's Al's invention. So anyway, um, Al was retired, living in our, you know, two towns away. And, um, and it, uh, so Al and I kind of went back and forth. And um, I'm like, Al, will you teach Todd? And He's like, Al didn't want to hang. Al is, at that point was in his late 60s. He's like, it, And Al raced dirt bikes on the tr- on the circuit till he was 69. So Al's badass. Excuse my family-friendly language. <laughs> but Al's an amazing guy. I mean, at, at 69 years old, if you're on the track racing, yeah, that's crazy. That's, hard. that, that's hardcore. Hardcore. So Al met Todd. They went through a couple guns Todd had built. And then Al said he'd work with him. So we, we worked out some numbers, and we paid Al. And Al taught him to do it. And he called me. The, the day they finished working together, and he goes, he's the best metal man I've ever met in my whole life. Now, I already knew that, but it was nice to hear it again. So Al's a mechanical genius who taught, taught my business partner, Todd, who had been in machining for 20 years. And the thing you learn about machining is it's a lot like wood. The guys who are really good with wood, they just get it. You know, you do one thing, and there's, there's some tolerances and flexing and this and that. Well, metal does all those same things. Everybody thinks metal's rigid, and if you cut it, it's perfect. Metal flexes, it changes with heat, all kinds of, it's, you know, it, things change. So 
so we sat down. We sh- we went down the road of all right. Let's do this. Let's build these better. And we had done that because the STI patent was up that allowed for some opportunity um, to get frames from someone other than STI. Um, and then the steel grips had started to come out, and that was a game changer. So that really pushed us into it, in the sense that the that I my personal belief then and even still now, if you're shooting anything above nine millimeter minor, you, you want a steel grip on your gun. It just it's a physics balance thing. Yeah. So that's, 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 that's for the weight and uh, and for the grip and durability. My I, I I'm like you. I went from a Glock 35 into a 2011. And um, it had the one of the original generation or early generation STI aluminum grips, and um, it eventually cracked. And then every replacement they gave me just kept cracking. They've never figured those out. Um, it, the so yeah, this, it's a physics thing, right? So these are just levers. The gun's just a lever. No, it doesn't matter if it's a CZ or a Glock or whatever, or a, a 2011 or 1911. It's just a lever. And the more we can add weight to the bottom end of the lever, the more we're going to get, you know, less vertical rise in the gun. Flipperosity. a little softer. We're moving more weight. The trick to it is the timing and getting the guns to return to zero. I don't care how much a gun lifts. I just want it to come back to the exact same spot it left from. Instead of dipping down. Or returning. Most of them actually return pretty high. The tuned oh. guns, you'll mm-hmm. see, what happens is it looks like it appears... Um, to return to zero, but what if you we did this with grandmasters? We put five grandmasters on limited and open guns, and we got our hands on a high speed camera like 2400 frames per second. Not these, everybody's got high speed on their iPhone now, and they think they see what we see, but they the 2400 frames per second is quite a bit more than the phones do. Yeah. And what we saw was that most of those guys would tell you a gun returned well, they liked the way it returned. But it would return, and then they'd have three to five frames where they're moving the gun before they shoot. Now, this is all happening in sub-20 you know, splits. So they're still shooting fast, under two-tenths of a second. Mm-hmm. But they're still manipulating the gun, but it was all subconscious. So what we went sought after is how do we design guns so that they return, and they, they're, they're one frame or no frames of just being able to shoot. So that helps novice shooters and pro-level and you know, pro level guys. And pro-level guys, the guys who are the best shooters in the world, they can shoot anything. I shot with Manny Bragg, and he can pick up any rat trap and shoot it well. He's just, he's an amazing shooter. But you still have an advantage when the guns are returning to zero. It, it, when you're starting from point zero, it's always better. Yeah, definitely. So um, do you guys primarily do, you, you mentioned 1911s, and you said 2011 was a uh, patented term, but you guys build that, that same kind of frame and that kind of, the guns right. that are built on that? There's no patent on that, so it's a trademark term. Mm. So I'll stop saying it if I can try. I've said it for so many years, but um, the it, so call it a 1911 high cap or modular frame or whatever. But the patent's up on that. So yeah, there are there the STI and the SVI versions that were only available through them for 20 years is now available to anybody to make those frames. Um, so that is the that is our preferred platform. Before that, you had Caspian who did it, and they did it. They went about a different way, where the frame of the gun is on, it is attached to the grip, all one piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Para's done it that way as well. And it looks like the Para might come back as a Remington, maybe. Unfortunately, know, they're working on it. Yeah. Um, Trevor's not a fan of the Para. <laughs> <laughs> no, Paras are fine if you just take all the parts out, throw them away, and put in all new parts. 
<laughs> kind of like, kind of like a Norinco. Um, I had a question, but it's gone. So carry on, Adriel. It'll come, I'll, I'll jump in when it comes back. It had something to do with uh, 2011s, but. All right, uh, Adam. Uh, what kind of production models do you guys offer? So you'll see this line grow, but for the most part, um, we're a U- we're USPSA three gunner or heavy sports, and you'll see Atlas Gunworks start in the sporting world because that's our passion and our drive and there's no better test of your product than to give it to somebody who's going to shoot we're building guns for a guy right now who's going to shoot 15k a month yep that'll i mean you're going to wear guns out that's just that's how it's going to be but um that's the we're cutting our chops there but you'll see us start transition into the tactical world and then into the collector world and we'll probably do a little bit of all of it over time but Today, we offer um, the Titan models is kind of the flagship. That's a USPSA limited gun that doubles well in three gun. Um, the Chaos is a USPSA IPSIG open gun, um, straight, full tilt, fully engineered open gun. Um, and then the newest model that's um, out just recently, and I don't think the, the website pictures might be up now, but it's called a Nemesis. And that's a sight block gun where the front sight is on a block on the front of the barrel and it does not move. Different from a sight tracker barrel. Um, so? So the sight tracker is an island barrel where there's rib built in, and those have some inherent problems. So when we went to solving the problem of of getting a sight to not reciprocate, we didn't want to go that route. Um, Those barrels are hard to make. They're hard to make well, uh, and they they, they always have problems in the back end. And you also weaken your slide a fair amount when you cut a big slot through the front of them. So the thought process was there's two things we're trying to solve. My thing that I only care about is that my front sight is here and it returns to the same spot. That's really all I ever care about is my front sight. Um, What the sight tracker solved was is is the barrel or the sight reciprocating, right? So the sight coming towards you. There are two or three people in this world who've tried to convince me that they can see that sight coming towards them. <laughs> I am skeptical of whether that's true or not. But if it is true, you want a sight tracker barrel or a sight block gun because that well, would drive it, crazy. It's eliminating one of the planes of travel. Correct. You know, and people are saying that they're tracking the sight while the slide is cycling. They're they're not. They may think they are, but uh, I'm with you on this. But regardless, if you go to an island barrel the site then kind of becomes more like a red dot where it only moves in one direction. Correct. But with the island barrels, all the testing I've ever done, no one shoots better. No one with an island barrel with the same gun, give them the same gun, you know, weight dimensions with the same thing. It just doesn't increase performance. Um, So I would tell you that the reciprocating part's not important at all. So what we went out and did is designed a sight block gun. And what we did is we put a, a block on the end of the gun, a big steel weight. It's actually the front of the slide. We pretty much cut the front of the slide off and then replace it with this block. That looks like a slide. You can't tell the difference. It looks like I cut the slide off and then moved it onto the barrel, which is not what we did. But it looks like that. But what that, that weight does, it's just a counterweight. It's just physics. So um, STI is getting some good play out of their um, DVC comp guns. Uh, or not the comp, they cost to carry and all these comp guns. It's not just SCI. All, all these companies are coming out with guns with comps on the end. And the truth of the matter is the comp's not really what, what's awesome about those guns. What's awesome about those guns, because the comps don't work well with 9mm Meyer ammo with fast powder in it. 
comps are made for slow powder and more pressure, and you don't have any of that in that equation. That's right. You got to mm-hmm. fill them with gas, or they're just a weight on the weight. front of the gun. Yeah. Right. But they're still a weight on the front of the gun. So you might be buying a comp, but getting the weight because the weight was harder to sell. But the weight's awesome. So having a weight on the front of the gun from a physics standpoint, so our gun, our nemesis is 5.2 inch, 5.25 inch sight radius. So five and a quarter is the total sight radius on that gun. What we do is we take a government slide and cut just under a half an inch. So 400 thou right off the front. So now my reciprocating mass, my balance point has moved back that far and I have a weight out front. And so we had to make about 10 different weight blocks before we found the right weight on a 40 cal nemesis to get it to zero out. But but you can do it. It's just physics. It's just balance. And once you get so anyway, the guns return crazy. They're so they return so well that if I'm shooting a target inside three meters, I will shoot the A box in two different spots because you there's a good chance you put them in the same hole. It happened to me last year at USPSA Area Seven, and I I fought with um, the range the range master all for an hour, and he wouldn't give it to me. But I, the, the target was three meters yeah. away. It was the fifth target in an array. I there's I, I could have fallen down and still hit the paper, and the, you know the middle was mashed up. We'll let David Bold slide on that one. I'm 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 over it. But what I've learned, and, and it didn't even come to me. I didn't occur to me that day. Well, um, we had that gun. Somebody was demoing that gun out west, and he had the same thing happen. And he so so he called me and he said he goes. He goes, I now aim at two different spots on close targets. You know, just a quick movement. It's not. Wow. Just to be sure. <laughs> just to be sure. <laughs> All right. I thought I was, I, I thought it was me. I mean, you think you're crazy when, or just that weird double, but, but I, we've had it happen so many times that it's, it's, it's apparently a real thing. So, so it's all so so and the gun's not magical. So not, you guys are all looking at me like the gun might be magical. It's not magical. So there's grip pressure involved in that. There's spring weight involved in that, and there's your load, right? So my goal when I build a gun is only to do one thing. I want 85% of shooters to be able to shoot this gun and get it to return pretty much to zero with you know with their grip with some spring combination and some load come. So what you find like with the Nemesis, the way that I hold the guns. I, it works better. I typically would shoot a normal limited gun at 166, 167 power factor, mm-hmm. a long dust cover, you know, five inch gun. I shoot the Nemesis at 171, and it return. That's it. Just I need a little bit more energy to get it to come back with my, you know, with my grip and the spring that I run. But everybody's going to have a little adjustment in there, and and it's based off your grip pressure, right? We can't change your grip pressure a ton, you know. I, even if most most shooters, even if they tell you that they're going to go out and work out their hands or whatever, it's that's that's not really realistic. Yeah. In fact, I, I got tendonitis one year doing it too much, so huh. I don't work my hands out for that reason. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just in terms of the the guns you guys you, uh, make, do you guys mill the, your own slides and frames, or do you use someone else's, or do you like add on or start with blanks? Yeah. So um, our process is that. In um, inside of five or six years, you'll see us make almost every part in the gun. Um, we build guns, but building guns forces you to, to some degree, be a manufacturing company. So as a manufacturing company, it doesn't make any sense to make parts that you're not queued up for. Mm-hmm. So um, look at roll the little pins or whatever. There are certain machines that cost millions of dollars that can spit those out so fast that it would make zero sense. I could never use or sell enough 
for me to, to own one. Yeah. So parts like that, you partner directly with a manufacturing company and source. So as time goes on, in I make it up five, six years, you'll see us either source directly from a non-industry company all the parts or, 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 or some fraction of the parts, and then we'll make what we can't get sourced right. Mm-hmm. So we're in the process of sorting that out. So the slides and the frames, um, the frames all say Atlas Gunworks today. They are not. We have those made for us by Phoenix Trinity. Um, the grips all say Phoenix Trinity on them. They make our grips today. The slides are slides are hard. That the slide is probably the one part in the gun. Um, and until I did this for a living, I, I wouldn't have known this. That is ultra critical in how well your pistol turns out. Mm-hmm. So the. The, the dimensions inside that slide are ultra, ultra important. How long the extractor tunnel is. So everybody has this argument, you know, do, what extractor do you use and do you tune them and this and that. And what we found is almost every extractor and the tunnel length are incorrect for each other. They don't map. So, so today we use Aftex in 9mm and 38 Supercom and we use somebody else we, um, in 40 cal. Because the Aftec and 40 cal is the wrong length for yeah. our slide. But that doesn't mean if you bought a okay. slide from someone else, it wouldn't be different. Um, but so the dimensions in those slides and the frame dimensions too are important, but the slide dimensions in particular are ultra important. And what I've learned in this business too, in the manufacturing world, everyone thinks that these fancy CNC machines turn out the same part every time over and over. They look the same, but they're not the same. No machine turns the same part out over and over and over. We were just pricing uh, uh, new machines, and, and the sales reps even tell me, he's like, it's never the same. Now, they can be so close, there's a tolerance that we'll all deal with. But what you find with the slides is, is that the, the tolerances move so much on those that they'll affect how good your barrel fit can be. They'll affect your slide-to-frame fit. Um, they're critical. So that part we don't make yet, but we were partnering with someone um, – we partner with two companies right now to do that. And um, there's a third that's in play soon to, to come online. And what you want from that is guys making them on really big, expensive, horizontal milling machines that are doing 30 at a time. And they'll, they'll turn out a better product more consistently. But, so this is the beauty of, and I, you, if I'm talking too much, you guys can shut me up. But um, the beauty, the beauty of building these guns, and this is what's this is what's different about Atlas Gunworks than almost everyone else. Um, there's probably a few people doing this, but when we get all those parts, there. So take our Titan, right? That's a long dust cover, steel grip, 2011, 1911 high cap, whatever we call it. I've got guns where we can turn those out in 15 hours if everything's perfect, and I've got guns we've got 30 hours into. Same exact. When they leave here, they look identical. They function identical, but. But the parts that we're getting were were so poor that that we had to fix them. Either fix them or throw them out. And and here at Atlas Gunworks, we're either going to fix them or throw them out. There's no no one's getting a lesser gun. Every every Titan that leaves here is so close to each other. You know we can call them functionally the same. Um, you, the team guys don't get. In fact, the team guys get worse guns because I make them do prototype stuff. But you know, if you go to a match and see a, a team guy with a gun, your gun will be better than his. Absolutely, like hmm. you know, it, equal or better, let's say. And um, you know, my friends don't shoot nicer guns than everybody else. We don't. It's every gun hits a standard, 
And if I have to lose money on the guns, which some of them we do, I shipped one today that I lost a pile of money on. I mean, it just it was a nightmare gun, and the guy talked us into doing some crazy R and D stuff that we shouldn't have said yes to, but we did. So we did it. That's fine. That's part of business. Um, but what we saw in the in this world is all these guys would start in their garage or or whatever, and the the it would become a business. But they never took it to that next level and became like a real business where they had extra people and time to service the guns and and um, answer the phones and do all that other stuff. So from the get go, Atlas was going to scale. I mean, we've, I've said from day one that this will be, a, you know, we will be one of the big players and we probably are. We're probably number four in manufacturing. And by the end of the year, maybe number three in the in the wide body guns mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in the U.S. So that's the thought process is that take the parts and then whatever it takes, they, the gun will be the same at the end. And some of the builders might not know how to do that. And some might not be willing to lose money on a project. Yeah. And the yeah. parts are so hard to get. You can't send them back a lot of times. I mean, there's some stuff so bad, but I, we, the first, it's gotten a little easier here lately, but the first two years, I, I mean, I'd beg people to lend me to sell me a slide or let me steal one for my, my training partner has a whole, you know, room full of parts. I'd be over there stealing slides out of his garage um, just because the parts were impossible to get. And now that things have calmed down a little bit in the general gun market, they've gotten a little easier to get. But, you know, I still can't get enough quantity to order 100 slides and then send back 50 I don't like. Yeah, just the ones that don't meet spec. Well, I mean, uh, just speaking about like those parts and, and kind of some of the things you'd put into uh, into a 1911 or 2011, uh, here here in Canada, what we have are these uh, Norinco pistols that um, they're right around $300, so they're very inexpensive, uh, but they, they're typically very roughly finished. If you, if you had to upgrade one of those things for, uh, let's say, like a low-price IPSC or three-gun build, what would be the priority modifications you'd put into a 1911 like that, just a basic one off the shelf? So this is a single stack? Yes. Um so with those kind of production pistols, the, the, the cool part is sometimes you'll get a really good one, right? So, so the guts are going to be junk. Those are all MIM parts. They're all super fast processed. You know, basically they're, um, you know, they're coming out of mold. So th- there will be no quality in the internal parts. But if you get one where the barrel um, fits decent, that's what when I say a decent gun. That's all that really matters in those guns. So, Adam, let me jump in right there. How do you determine good barrel fit what do you look for the lockup in the in the lugs and the slide um when you push on the hood how do you test for barrel fit so you can pick up a gun at a gun store and go uh let me see these three they're all the same make and model and then you check and when you're done checking you know which one has a good fitting barrel what are you looking for um there there's there's not a, there's no dead answer to that there's no hey walk into a gun shop and do this but but you want to so and these are bushing guns almost all the time i'm guessing yes so if the gun's in full battery just lock up and you put your thumb in the end of the barrel and you can move that barrel up and down or the bushing moves at all mm-hmm. in that front side that's going to be a problem um how do you fix that with the link or with the bushing oh on the front side yeah, yeah. refit the barrel with a bushing gun you could put a new bushing in it um with a bull gun you're stuck you know Okay. And, um, and, and I guns like that. So before we 
So what are we worried about, accuracy or reliability? So if we're worried about accuracy, pistols are inherently accurate, right? Everybody's like, oh, it will, you know, it won't, it, it'll shoot like a Glock. Well, go put a Glock barrel in a in a cement fixture and shoot it. It'll shoot a pretty awesome group. Mm-hmm. But pistols are inherently accurate. Um, things have to be really bad for these guns to shoot terrible, terrible groups. And I'm not saying they can't do that. But if the rifling's straight and it's got a halfway decent barrel in it, and the the barrel rifling and the quality of the barrel, there's no way to know until you shoot them. So the bullseye guys go buy 20 barrels, put them all in fixtures, and take the best one and then build a gun. Because you're building off of what the barrel will do for, by itself. So uh, Adam, Adam, can I jump back a second? Yeah. So I wanted to check the play in the front of the slide on the barrel. Um, now, do I want to hold the slide against the frame to make sure that I'm not actually feeling slop in the slide and frame fit to isolate I, that, to make sure that it's actually play in the barrel I'm pushing not, fit? Sure. Possibly. Do you have one right there? Yeah, I got a couple right in front of me. So, so I'm not used to guns that have any slide to frame slop. So <laughs> well, yeah. So, well, here, what I have here in front of me is I've got an STI Trojan 9mm single stack bushing gun. Yeah. And then I have a Norinco. Okay. Now, this Norinco shoots exceptionally well. It shoots as good a group as any 2011 I've ever had or as good a group as my $2,000 Trojan. Um, and but there's no play, so but there is a little bit of slop in the in the slide, of course, and that's one of the problems that we get with these Norinkos is the there's so much play in the slide and frame that they literally rattle sometimes when you get a really loose one. So who cares? That's the yeah, well. We're going to get to that. Is that actually <laughs> matter or not? Right? And uh, you know, it has that slop has zero effect on accuracy, right? That's not true. Okay. It's not- it, it, w- there's a critical point, and when we cross the critical point, it is then a problem. Okay. Before that critical point, probably isn't doing anything in there that that you want to worry about. Okay. Well, so, we'll come back to we'll come back to slide and frame fit later. I just wanted to know if there was any benefit to trying to isolate the slop to see then if there's play in the barrel bushing. Yeah, I I think I think if your gun is that loose, um, and the gun you're holding is relatively loose, that yeah that that you do you do need to do that so that could be done with the slide off the gun okay right and then you're just gonna have to keep pressure on keeping the you're gonna have to keep the barrel up in the lugs you know but pinch your barrel up to the top there and you can do that there right because i mean Uh, even even here my sti trojan um i put my finger in the end of the muzzle and i wiggle it up and down and i am detecting some place somewhere but i'm not sure where it is is that in the slide? Like, is the slide firm, or is the slide rotating like around and and you're? So do that same thing, but only hold the gun by the slide. So hold. Okay. The, put cop your hand over the slide and skip the frame. No movement. Yeah, which I, I wouldn't suspect. STI is typically pretty good about that. Okay, cool. All right, so that's one of the checks that we'll do. What's another one? And then we do. We want the we want the barrel to stay up. You know, when the so we want to push on the barrel hood and make sure that the barrel's not going to drop out, you know, really easily on its own. You're not going to see hardly any guns. Do, if the gun does that, something is pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you're, again, that's not a realistic test that you're going to go out there and be and identify a huge problem. And something's going to be wrong, pretty wrong, pretty drastically wrong in that case. So if we find a gun with any movement in the hood, leave it there. I would, yeah. All right. Because, again, there's movement in the hood on that Norinco, but 
there's zero movement on the STI here. Hmm. And I say, I, 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 you know, I, I don't think zero is probably our indicator there. A little bit anytime is probably in that, and it's probably okay. Okay. Uh, and then if you look at the back of the barrel, look at the, of the back of the hood where it's coming into the slide, you're going to want to see how much gap's going on there. So it should be pretty minimal. So if you're not holding a 1911, um, it's going to be, it's a different story, but, um, we don't want excessive gap on the, on the back of the, of the top of the chamber, basically to the slide. Right. Yeah. And so we measure that in thousands, you know, like, so 12 thou, 20 thou would be too much. Um, it'd be hard to see, you know, four, three or four or five thou. Yep. And generally you want about a thou there. This one's a hundred years old yep. and it has better tolerances than that Norinko. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not surprising but that doesn't make it a better gun no no it's not as accurate that's for sure yeah and part of that is the is the technology in the in the actual barrels itself so the 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 gun's accuracy can't be any better than the barrel we start with so if we start with a barrel and and it's well so we use kkm barrels so i'll tell you why um, there are companies who make better barrels, potentially, but not consistently. So, uh -huh. so if we go get XYZ company's barrel and I shoot 10 of them and the best one shoots a quarter inch out of a fixture at 50 and the worst one shoots an inch, do they make better barrels than the company who shoot 400 out of the fixture every time? I mean, it's an average, right? Mm -hmm. We're, and I don't want the big, I don't want a big variance in that. And... So um, barrel-wise today, KKM and CART probably top the list. CART doesn't do bull barrels, so we, so KKM's our preferred provider. Um, they use some really good equipment, and they're really good at making the same thing over and over again, and then they all shoot awesome. So with this particular gun, I, I as you said, the, in, the parts that come from the factory, MIM parts, whatever, inconsistent, threw them all out and um, fitted or dropped in all STI parts. So yeah. then I figured next thing I'm going to have to do to this is fit a barrel. And then I went out and I shot it. So my OCD says STI parts put in an STI barrel or maybe even somebody else's barrel. And then I shot it and I was like, nope, we're good. So just, uh, just luck, I guess it worked out, but no, I, I mean, not necessarily. They probably, probably the 10 guns before that gun and the 10 guns after that were fit. Well, I mean, right. They're, those are so you have manufactured guns and then you have assembled guns, right? So they're, they're a little bit different, but and, and then you have hand built guns like what we do, right? And so our stuff costs twice as much because you're paying dudes to hand build them and spend 20 hours on them. Yeah. But on the manufactured guns, um, you know, take a company that's trying to do that. So, you know, whatever the company, STICK, you know, and there's other companies that are doing that in this world. If the parts that come to them are perfect, they'll build you a pretty decent gun. If they're not, then they, then there's going to be problems, and where they are depends on who had bad part tolerances. Hmm. Um, versus us um, or somebody at our level, we're going to fix everything. You know, we're going to correct anything that needs to be correct or throw parts out. So that's kind of the. That's the part that I didn't see before we got in the industry. There just weren't people who at any length would would 
make it right. And that's partly me. I just, that's how I, I, I'm a business guy. That's how I run every business. It's probably, I'd, I'd have a lot more money in the bank if I just, you know, had a model and, and didn't care if some people got left behind, but it's just not what I like to do. Uh, and, and I think at the same time in this world, in, in the world I live in today, there's a lot of opportunity because no one else is even trying to do that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so uh, just in, in terms of uh, your models, then uh, do you guys sell direct? Do you sell them through distributors? Do you have any distributors or retailers in Canada that sell your gun? We don't in Canada yet. And we export a ton. We've probably sold, we've probably sold 40 or 50 guns to Canada in the last year. Um, I don't even think this a year and a half ago, maybe we sold our, maybe two years ago, our first one, but it, the Canada thing's kind of exploding for us, which is good. No, we we offer a service for four hundred bucks that will will ship a gun to Canada right to you. That'll cover all the expenses on your end, so you won't pay. You'll pay me four hundred, and that's that's it. So we pay an additional four hundred bucks, and you take care of all the paperwork. I take care of all the paperwork. That's amazing. All right. Um, and when you're, and I'm when paying you're, someone else to do that, but but yeah, 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 we have a partner that we do that with. That's worked extremely well to to this point. Okay. Um, and, and I don't, you know, we probably should talk to somebody about having a, a distributor in Canada. But what you'll see, so we've done direct to answer your question, um, mostly in the beginning. That's how all these companies start. And what you will see is we will start to have preferred, um, you know, um, dealers coming up across the country. So in Minnesota, there's a company called Arms and Arms. They're, um, they're a stocking dealer. Um, I think you see Speed Shooters International start to carry the guns. And Speed Shooters International and I... Funny enough, had a conversation today about this. And this probably won't come until June or some June or July. But I'm gonna do. We're gonna do a um, a page, hopefully on their website, where it's export only guns. Doesn't matter where they go, but they have to leave the country. So we won't pay the excise tax on those guns, and we will set them aside as an export only. Hmm. Uh, in the recent, we've always had a lot of overseas. Um, Europe or Europe for the most part Europe um, inquiries, but they those deals usually fade out. They don't always happen. But there's been a lot in the la- a lot of orders from from um, from Euro- the European countries in the last three or four months here. So um, my thought process in that is I'm not exactly sure the th- and, and the Canadian guys. I mean, well, all you guys I guess are in Canada, so you can tell me your thought process. But we get contacted by folks overseas, and then we tell them how long it takes to build the gun and the export things. Canada, we know, but the rest of the countries, there's un- it's unknown. It, it is, and they're all they're all very different. So each one's going to require a different uh, navigation, if you will. Right, and so a lot of these conversations never go anywhere. And my thought was, well, what if? And I don't want to per se do all this paperwork. We we're busy here trying to scale a, a manufacturing company. Mm-hmm. So we talked to Speed Shooters International today. Actually, we worked it out. Where um, he'll have the guns there, a live gun. This isn't order a ready-made gun. This gun exists. Order it, buy it, and then you're only waiting on the export part. So we could probably cut the the lead time in half, uh, maybe maybe even more. And then the cool part about that is, and, and the export only guns, we pay a lot more attention to those than we do the U.S. guns. Not that I don't like um, the U.S. customers, but we know how hard it is to get a gun back here. It is not simple. So the plan, what we do for the overseas guns is we shoot them um, about three times as much. They get three times as many rounds. 
And then when the guns come back here, they get disassembled and and in a once over check and then reassembled, which we do. We don't need to do that for the U.S. guns. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for especially for, yeah, all your other can, uh, countries, the import expert is a pain in the butt. So <laughs> that's well, uh, I, that would be I would lose sleep if I knew somebody had a gun that didn't work and there was no easy way to get it back here. Mm-hmm. Adam, uh, how do you feel about exclusive Canadian dealership rights? That's something you would consider, or would you want to keep it I've open? I've never thought about it, but I'm 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 about moving guns, so it. All right. I'm I I don't think I'd write that off. Okay, well we'll be in touch after the show because I think uh, I'm at a shop, and I think uh, that's something that the owner would definitely be interested in if you're looking for a Canadian distributor. If we could work out an exclusivity deal, yeah, that would be cool. All right. Well, we'll talk more about that after the show then. Um, Before we wrap up, Adam, I want to kind of monopolize the rest of the time we have left. I hope my co-host will indulge me. It shouldn't take too long. I want to. This is so rare that you would do that. I don't Uh, understand. I I know, right? Um, Adam, so here's my gun. It's classic division gun, like you would shoot in USPSA, right? Single stack, nine millimeter, um, 147 grain bullet at a 130 power factor. What should I do to this gun? It's it's other than having some extended controls and a trigger job. It's it's stock. Is there anything that I should be doing to this thing to, uh, in, you know, in particular, you've got me thinking about balance and getting the gun to return to zero. Um, so classic divisions different than single stack in that we have weight opportunity. Okay. Right. So there are no weight limits on that gun. Right. Right. I just can't change the outside. The outside appearance has to be classic 1911 and you are allowed to have a rail now but uh, this particular model of 1911 does not so so there is a little bit of an advantage to a, the heavier rail fl- frames you know anytime Definitely. you can get a wider heavier dust cover on that thing mm-hmm. um in the cla- that is the beauty of of single stack right or classic is that there's not a lot i would add weight to in, in not in uspsa single stack because it's not legal but in your thing i would add weighted grips to that gun. that will do okay. a lot. I would have right. big weighted grips. Okay. Um, and there's a couple of the guys that make almost the 2011 style grips. So there, if, if you took a 2011 and a 1911 out to the range and for both 40 cal, and we shot the same exact ammo through one through the other, the single stack gun is a good bit more recoil and more violent. And it's just because you got less of your control. Your control hands your left hand. Uh, for me, I'm right-handed, right? So you're weak yeah. hand. So the less you have of your hand on the gun, the less control you have, the more the more vertical lift you're going to get. I hate single stack. I hate shooting it. I just don't like the recoil. Now they've come out with since since I didn't like it the the wide grips and the wide grips help a lot. And so if we revert back to a limited gun versus a single stack gun, the limited gun's still going to win because it's got a big heavy star gun, it's big heavy steel grip on it. Well, in in USPSA single stack, I can't do anything about that. But in in classic. I can just add weight to the deal. So um, tech, um, tech well guys, so the tech wear guys, they've come out with some grips that are molded like that, and they have uh, the ability that they send you, I think they send shot with them, but you can put a little shot and epoxy in there and add weight. So from a performance standpoint, I would add weight to the lower half of that gun. Um, so could I even then ditch my Dawson aluminum mag well for a steel one? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Steel, steel magwell, heavy grips, and that's going to help balance it out and help it return to zero. A little bit. It'll soften it up a little. All right. Now, what about recoil springs and mainspring? Right now, I'm running a 9 recoil and a 15 mainspring. Uh, so how's the, the mainspring is, is just a trigger equation. 
Mm-hmm. So, well, what's so the trigger like? Is there, oh, the trigger's amazing. But is there any truth to, you know, a 15 pound or a 17 pound will slow down the cyclic rate? Oh, yeah, a bunch. So, so think about it, right? The, the gun is going to, that slide's going to unlock. And the, anything that's impeding that or, or, or helping it will change the pattern. Um, with a hundred, and so we've had at one point we had a limited gun, uh, D, uh, STI DVC years ago that a six year old was trying to shoot, not competitively, but his dad was trying to, but he had no wrist strength, and so we had to do a whole bunch to the to make that slide, un, let the gun unlock to get more momentum so the gun would fully cycle. I doubt you're having that problem with that gun. Um, so there is a timing thing there. So one is the firing pin stop, right? So the normal firing pin stops are a block, a kind of a square or rectangle. And if you saw one of our guns, almost all of them have a ramp cut there. So that allows it, when it hits the hammer, to to ease over the hammer a little bit, gain a little more momentum that way. Um, it's better. It's a better from a machining standpoint. It's better that those parts don't hit violently. They hit violently anyway, but this eases the pain a little. Um, but it does change the pattern. So you can experiment with with uh, firing pin stops. That would be one. The mainspring's going to matter a little bit, um, not as much as you probably think, but a little bit. And then the weight of the hammer will matter, right? That we're yeah, locking that yeah. hammer. Yeah. Um, everybody gets wound up about titanium struts and, and whatever. I I don't believe in titanium struts. I've never, from a physics standpoint, that part's a it's it's not a it's it's pinned in there. It's between a spring and a hammer. It has nowhere to go. It's just moving and a little bit less weight there. It, I the, I fail to see the physics in that. Okay. But um, so I, I would say skip that part. We run all stainless steel um, ha- uh, hammer uh, struts. But those are your those are your options there. So it's it's all physics again. It's the you know how is the face of the firing pin stop hitting a hammer and then uh, back onto a spring. I'll tell you that everybody, a tip is take apart your mainspring housing, and if you have the short cup mainspring housing, replace that for a long cup one. You should always have a long cup one in those guns. Um, that will be more consistent in how that spring operates. Who makes those Spur- long cups? Uh, EGW definitely makes them. That's where I buy them. Um, somebody else must make them. Okay. But the, what you'll get is the the with the short cup, they'll start to bind up, and you won't get a you won't get a consistent pattern over time. Hold that gun up one more time. Let me see what else. Um, yeah, you've got a. You like the short triggers. Clearly, you've got a short trigger in there. Um, short trigger, short trigger, and flat mainspring uh, because of the size of my my reach. Yeah, all good. Yeah, from a physics standpoint, I think that's all you really got to do. Okay. So when it comes to the hammer and the shape of the firing pin stop, um, it, that's a question of how we like the feel of the gun during recoil. There's always an advantage to putting a slope on the bottom of that firing pin stop from not. Regardless, okay. All right, cool. I mean, every gun we do starts that way. Okay. Um, On occasion, if you want to slow down the slide a little bit, and that one's got that one's pretty standard. Yeah, that's the standard one. Okay. Uh, Yeah, like we make our own, and they're all cut. They're all ramped right from the get go. Right. Like I threw one in one of those Norinkos that I was working on. And I just made sure that it was blended nicely with the inside of the slide, but I didn't worry too much about the angle. But 
I'm going to experiment with that on the Norks, Adriel, not the STIs in the beginning until I get it right. <laughs> so here's the trick with all of this. Whenever you're going to try something new, and I think I think I have a YouTube video up. We've definitely taped it if we haven't put it up. But go go to your range and, and get a dirt berm that, you know, you can see the impacts, you know, the, the dirt puff. And shoot, try to shoot at 25 plus meters and just hold the gun out there. Don't aim it. Just pull the trigger twice, your normal grip, whatever. And at 25 meters, I want those – at 35 is my normal range. I want those bullet impacts about 18 inches, 24 inches apart, maximum, absolute maximum. If they're six feet apart, we know the gun's not – something bad's happening. And you just got to – you got to you, – you really have to be warmed up. So don't, you can't really do it cold. I usually do it at the end of a practice. And you got to do it a couple of times and really try to be honest about not manipulating the gun because your brain wants an outcome. It will – you're always trying to fight that. But I've gotten I do it enough that I can pretty much go out and do it with almost any gun right off the bat. And and your normal grip. That's the thing that will all influence. We'll all be we'll all tense up trying to get some result or or be different. Um, so if you're inside that zone, then the gun's probably doing fairly well. Now just bring it into a seven meter target and do the same thing. And those bullets should be within a couple inches or two inches of each other. And if you're getting that result, and I want them pretty much on top of each other too. If you're getting that result, it's good. Um, if your first shot is – well, if your second shot is high, you need more spring forward. We need more energy forward, right, with that slide. Just think about it, how the slide's moving. So your hand's a pivot point. The front of your finger – your front of your fingers is a pivot point of this gun. And we need more energy to get the gun to come a little further back to where it was. And there will be some give and take there. And then if the gun returns low, we have too much energy. So how do we bleed off some energy? So before you go crazy with it, before anybody listening to this goes crazy and starts cutting their firing pin and stop up tonight, <laughs> mess with the recoil springs, right? That's our number one. Yeah. I would tell you that that's your start point. And, you know, run a nine pound, run a, and this is my favorite tip. Uh, I, I beg all of you, Brownells should pay me for this. What are Brownells? Next time you order something for Brownells or wherever your shooting supply place is, get a spring tester. And you probably buy them generically. I'm sure that they're not unique to the gun company. But the if you buy a $2 spring, and we let, happen to like the Wolf Springs, but if you buy a $2 spring from Wolf, right, that's that's a $0.10 cent part to them. They do not check them. If it comes in a 9-pound bag, it might be 9 pounds. It might be 8 pounds. It might be 10. I've seen 11s in 9-pound bags. Really? I had a guy um, – we had a, uh, a customer, Jason, who uh, – cracked a frame on a limited or a slide on a limited gun which is unheard of you just you don't see that with our stuff hardly ever this is the only the only one so he calls me he says it's cracked so he, i just say send the gun up so the gun gets here and he had a, an ismi i'll pick on them i guess a little bit um spring in the gun but it only tested at like 8.2 pounds with a full tilt 40 cal gun hmm. and the guide rod that was in the gun that we shipped it with had had a problem and instead of calling us he just jammed in a generic guide rod that didn't fit the gun. So the gun literally beat itself apart. The frame was cracked, too. He got up. He got up. So um, anyway, we we hooked him up. He's got an awesome gun. It's all, it's all good. But the the spring in the bag is, the, is what it is and what they told you it is and what it is and where it got it mixed up or who knows where. So I trust no spring. Every spring that goes in a gun here gets tested. And um, we buy them by the 100 at a time, and I, you know, we could go through there and get three different weights, you know, hmm. poundage weights, and then fractions yeah. in between. 
So get a spring tester. And then, you know, you can manipulate the springs a little bit, try different springs, try different companies. You can cut a coil off the springs. But I would most of that stuff can be done with springs. That's that's your start point. Um, you know, nine millimeters will run somewhere pr- between, you know, eight and a half on a limited or single stack gun right up to maybe 10 or 10 and a half, 11. And the 40 cows, usually the jump off point there is 10 and up. And I know guys that like 13, 14 pound springs in the guns and and I like them. I like them a lot lower, but it's just about getting the gun to return. It doesn't matter how we get there. Yeah, you got it. Um, maybe just before we go here, um, why don't you take some time to plug your stuff? Uh, where can people buy uh, one of these pistols? What's your uh, website address? So we're atlasgunworks.com, um, and the Facebook and website uh, are Atlas Gunworks, or Instagram, I should say, is a big one. Facebook's a big one for us, too. But uh, And then you'll see our stuff start to pop up here at Speed Shooters International, and um, that's probably the, the big sport shooting one, and then dealers across the U.S. and maybe Canada soon. But we're our thing is is pick up the phone. We're um we're a real company. Eight people work here. Kat's our office manager. She probably would have more fun talking to her tonight. But um, and she'll answer the phone. If she doesn't, you'll get me. I'm almost always to some degree available to just talk about what people are trying to do or accomplish. And and if we're a good fit, we're we're glad to build somebody a pistol. If somebody wants something super crazy, I, I often refer them to other spots. And then on the service side, um, same thing. If you've got service questions, email or call. Sometimes I can help you over the phone. We have a big YouTube series. Um, That's probably how most people find us. And we do the YouTube videos because, just like I said in the beginning, I came up through the ranks and I I didn't know where to fit. I figured most of this out from Brian Enos, you know, in the beginning. (laughs) And. But you got to read 400 posts to get it to get somebody who knew what they were and weed out this and that and figure it out. So I just said, well, why not just show people? Mm-hmm. And you'll see, we'll do a lot more YouTube. There, that's we're super busy right now. But as we get more and more, you'll see me do YouTube's where I've done a lot, and then my business partner, who is the genius behind this, Todd West, you'll see him start to do some YouTube's here shortly. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be definitely uh, sure to add those links to our show notes. And I just want to say thank you again for uh, coming on the show, Adam. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Adam. All right, let's get into the listener feedback. Uh, Kelly, we haven't heard from you very much. Did you want to take this one from Justin? Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. I love how he did that. Yeah. Hello, Slamfire Radio. Uh, I just finished listening to episode 241. You guys are funny as hell. I couldn't stop laughing at some of the uh, banter between Trevor and Kelly. I don't remember that. Anyways, good times, good times, he says. Uh, this is one This one is directed toward uh, Trevor and possibly Adriel. I saw some of the photos on Facebook about the Naranko MP29 project. It looks okay so far, but with the slide breaking and having to get a replacement, how is that going? I would really like to hear about a follow-up about how the project is shaping up. I may consider something similar as I have a couple of nice 1911s and may want to have something uh, that I can use as a knock-around ending up kind of gun for IDPA, possibly IPSEC, steel challenge, uh, i.e. holster wear, uh, smacking on the tables, getting dirty, and dirt and grit through it, etc. I hear some good and some bad about the Naranko MP29. So I was trying to figure out uh, what is the verdict on your with your project. Uh, along the same lines, I was wondering if you may have some experience with sh- uh, shooter arms manufacturing 1911s. Uh, these are 1911. The 
These are 1911 made in the Philippines uh, that are being sold exclusively through Wolverine Supply. Some bargains can be had for those that just want a bargain uh, budget 1911. Uh, just a couple of hundred more than the Norenko. Only drawback may be that the Series 80 firing pin block design. This uh, can easily be bypassed with a slim, f um, a shim, shim from Brownells. Uh, sorry, there's uh, dirt on my screen, so I have to <laughs> hold on a second. <laughs> so it looked like slim. Uh, this can be easily bypassed with a shim from Brownells, and should those parts be taken out, cost is like eight or nine dollars. Uh, he's going to really like listening to the main topic. Anyways, uh, going through the theme of new releases at SHOT Show, Ruger is now coming out with the SR-1911 in 9mm. Uh, took them long enough, eh? But better late than never. Seems like a pretty nice price point for those looking uh, to having a 1911 in 9mm in the safe. I'm thinking Ipsit production here. Uh, series 70 design, so no firing pin block uh, to goof around with. Might be a nice alternative to the Tanfoglia Witness uh, 1911 that Freedom Ventures is now carrying as a replacement for more for no more STI Trojans. Your thoughts and banter would be most appreciated. Cheers and keep up the great work. I'm looking forward to your next show. Justin W. Okay, I want to jump in a? here. Sam 45s? Um, are they Sam's? Because Sam's have a bad reputation, but uh, the Filipino frames weren't used by STI for nothing. The Spartan was built on the Filipino frame, and they imported those frames, did the finishing work at the factory, so they weren't they weren't horrible. They didn't stop using them because they were no good. They stopped using them because of um, export issues. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, a couple of things. I'm going to work backwards here. The Ruger, not only is the Ruger going to be uh, a good price point, and a good gun. I've handled the Ruger 45 several times. Always been impressed with it. They have unfortunately gone up. When they first hit the market, they were around 800 bucks, and now they're probably around a 1000 But don't forget, they're a brushed stainless gun. They're not a blued gun, so they come with a better finish than you know um, a blued gun, uh, more, typically a more expensive finish. The Ruger in 9 in nine millimeter um, would be a nice alternative to the Tanfoglio. Right now, the only 1911 I would buy would be the Tanfoglio. <clears throat> um, STI is getting out of the 1911 game. The STI Trojan has jumped to $2,000. As much as I love it, I don't think it's worth $2,000. So the Tanfoglio 1911 doesn't have this quite the same fit and finish as the STI, but has some nice features right out of the box that are worth looking at. Um, you mentioned, I'm thinking Ipsic Production. Okay, well, Ipsic Production is not a 1911 division. Ipsic Production is a striker-fired or a double-action, single-action gun, like a Shadow or a Glock. So the 1911s don't belong in that division at all. Um, if you're thinking about the Ipsic Production rules where you're not allowed to modify the gun, that does not apply to the Classic division. The only thing is um, you have to be aware of in Classic is that the exterior of the gun remain that of a Classic-looking 1911. So um, you can't cut holes in it or anything like that. If you look at the DVC Classic gun that STI put out, they don't cut holes all the way through the slide, but in fact, they do lightning cuts in the slide, which is legal. Like the gun is built specifically to fit in the uh, Ipsic inspection box, and so it's a little bit longer than a, than a government model even. 
and has, you know, everything cut away wherever possible. They actually made the gun longer in the front and made the beaver tail shorter in the back to accommodate, um, to, in order to get it into the box. So, um, you're right about taking the, uh, taking the series 80 and ripping out the parts and getting that spacer. That's definitely something to do. Um, now on to the project lipstick on a pig and how it's going. Um, it's going well, just, uh, this, okay. Let's talk about the crack slide. That's not Narinko's fault. That is the fault of two overzealous, um, people working on the gun and, and learning as we went. Uh, we now know that, you know, the tolerances, if the tolerance is out, so much don't even bother trying to tighten them if the tolerance is out only a little bit you can tighten them unfortunately we didn't get into slide to frame fit very much with adam um that'll be for another topic or another another episode hopefully because we talked about barrel fit but then we didn't get into slide and uh and frame fit because especially i was especially peaked he especially he, he he my my curiosity was peaked when he mentioned that um there is in fact a component of accuracy involved in slide to frame fit. So I want to explore that more with him because when you get these Narinkos, you know, does the slide, is there any point in tightening up the slide and frame rails? Um, are you going to gain anything from it? You could potentially create more problems there than you solve. So uh, anyone who wants to clean up one of these Narinkos, I, I recommend it just you know, get the slide cut for proper sites. That's the first modification I would do. Then polish all the internal um, parts, remove the sharp edges from the barrel lugs and the frame. Unless you get the the Nork that comes with the fiber optic front, because we have seen pictures of some that come with that. So yeah. that might be good enough to just deal with. Yeah, if you can find that one, they do come with a Bomar rear and a fiber optic front. We've seen pictures of them online. I've not seen any in the wild, unfortunately. So mm. if you um, and Adriel kind of got get bamboozled, the picture on the website he ordered from was of the fiber optic Bomar version, and he received mm. the three dot version. So um, yeah. and and those sites don't hit well. Um, I don't know what they're calibrated for, like what speed and what bullet weight, but mine were hitting high right and somebody else's were hitting high left. And so mm -hmm. they're, uh, yeah. So if you can, that would be the first thing I would do. And then after that, actually you can clean up the Norinco parts. The, um, Adam had mentioned that there were MIM parts. Um, a para comes with MIM parts. I've tossed MIM parts of a para before, but believe it or not, the sear and disconnector um, and that come in these Norinkos are not MIM parts. Hmm. And they can be cleaned up and a, and a proper trigger job done to them. At least the ones that I have that have gone through my hands recently. Um, and also, like Adam said, sometimes you get a good one. Denis just got a batch of Norinkos in, and every one of them was better than the two that Adriel and I had as far as fit, finish, and, and, and play in the slide. Um, I took the slide. I bought one from Denis to get just for the slide to replace the slide on Adriel's frame because we already tuned up Adriel's frame. Um, so uh, now I'm actively trying to find a slide, new or used, to uh, to get that gun up and running. So uh, you can clean up the parts that are there, and the gun will be just fine. Or you can go all the way and do what I did and rip everything out of it and replace it with all aftermarket parts. So the only parts left on my Norinco that are Norinco are the frame, 
the slide, the barrel, and the ejector. Everything else has been swapped out. Mm. Um, I even I even fitted a set of DTS safeties to it um, last week. So you don't have yep. to go that far. And if you do go that far, you will not get a return on your investment. You can polish off the word Narinko on the side like I did. You can re-blue it like I did. It's still a Narinko and it carries a stigma. And you're only going to get so much for it. If you go as far into it as I did and buy a bunch of 1911 parts, don't expect to turn around and sell a Narinko 1911 filled with STI parts for $1,000. So even if it's tuned and runs better than a Tanfoglio out of the box, no one wants to go to the range and say, I paid $1,000 for a tuned Narinko. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just not going to do it. Um, I did this project to see if it was worthwhile doing and see if it was fun, and we're not done yet. I still need to get to the range and test that gun for reliability and accuracy now that it's done. Yeah, I still fact, want to shoot mine in a match where we can have, like, here's what it was before, here's the um, parts and the actions we took to this gun, and here's the performance afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, that, that definitely has to happen or the whole thing is kind of not worth doing. I actually had it blued for a second time because um, after it was blued, then I did some additional work to it. So it, things kind of got out of sequence there. Obviously, if you're going to strip the finish off and and re-blue it, re-blue it at the end when the gun is completely, completely finished. But uh, these days I have access to a bluing tank. So, you know, whatever, we just tossed it back in the tank because I... Uh, I hit it with the with a file when I was fitting the DTS safeties and, and screwed up the bluing, and I hit it with a polishing wheel on on the dust cover and screwed up the bluing, and I didn't deburr one part of the dust cover and screwed up the bluing, so all those things have been repaired and the gun's been reblued again. The other mistake I made was when polishing the gun, I rounded uh, the cocking serrations, and now they're very very smooth, which defeats yeah. the purpose of cocking serrations. So. Um, I will probably, if I, if I had the proper file, I would have got in and sharpened them up with the file and then reboot it. But I'll leave it as is and just put grip tape on it if I run it, you know, in a match. So Stipple it with a nail and a hammer. Yeah, well, <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, so, and uh, so we get a new slide for Adriel's gun and we put it into the milling machine. And before we started this project, I had watched a couple of YouTube videos and one of them said that the Narinko Chinesium steel, and that's an element on the periodic table, it's recently been discovered, it's called Chinesium, very hard, uh, is difficult to cut. So if you're going to mill these slides on a mill machine, do it with carbide cutting bits, not steel cutting cutting bits. So we cut through my slide. Actually, we cut through Adriel's slide first because Adriel's gun has always been the guinea pig gun. So um, we cut through Adriel's slide, no problem. We cut through my slide, no problem. We get Adriel's new gun, and the fit and finish is better, and the tolerances are better. And we get three-quarters of the way through the first cut, and the carbide cutting bit breaks. And people have asked, you know, uh, was he going too fast? Well, the way his machine is set up, you're either at this speed or this speed, and there's a recommended speed for that bit, and he's actually below, slightly below the recommended speed. So it's not a question of him going too fast. So <laughs> anyway, the project is on hold again until the next Brownell order comes in. But um, all kinds of 1911 parts have come into the shop. Slide That slide squeezing thing that Andy used to break your slide? Yeah, Denise got one yeah. now. So we're open for business. <laughs> no, I'm not using it online. <laughs> slide. So 
My slide's I, I, good. I like I like the second one. I haven't seen it. I love it. It's great. Yeah. Uh, we're also changing the location of the rear cut on yours this time to bump that slide forward. We're not going to go for the full Walmart yeah. cut, but uh, at least move it forward more farther further forward than it was before. So and um, polishing stones, the stone for the trigger bow track. We got that. Oh, yeah. So we can remove the burrs. Nice. Yours has been done. We did yours at Andy's, but. Uh, that's what we'll do to some of the um, services that we'll offer. Um, we've got two styles of uh, trigger um, uh, jig for doing uh, sear work to mm -hmm. uh, do trigger jobs, either the traditional straight cut and the relief cut or the radius cut. And so if you want that rolly break or the sharp glass rod break, we can do either one now. So Very cool. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, uh, Justin had just mentioned the SARs, and I've I've got one here. Um, I would say that the machining work inside is way better than a Norinco. Like I showed you guys the pictures of, of the Norinco slide on the inside here where it looked like a, a wild beaver. Had, had, the chainsaw. Uh, yeah. Someone had gotten in there and on this one, it's fine. There's, there's not really any like marks like that on the inside. Uh, the barrel hood, which again, looks like someone went on a, on a grinder on mine is nice and smooth and shiny on this one. So, I mean, uh, I, I know that some of the parts aren't as good on these, and these are still a, a value-priced uh, uh, pistol. I think uh, this one was 300 bucks, 350 wow. $350, which is still like, uh, they're more now. Um, now, some of the things that I would say are not great on this pistol, uh, the safety, uh, this is a, a military A1 style, so it's got the A1 style safety on there with just that tiny little... Uh, bumper there and that's kind of hard on the on the fingers trying to move that guy but i that's kind of how these things were um the swinging link on this one is stiff <laughs> i can okay that's not nice that's not uh, no that's not normal so if you could send me some trevor <laughs> some well, from my kit that I, mean, I bought i'll send back the other links but um the link that is that size is probably the number three, and the number three has been used. Uh, what you do, drift that pin out yeah. and deburr the inside of the yeah, barrel where the, the link fits. There where that swinging link is. Deburr yeah. that channel and deburr the link, and then it'll be fine. Yeah. I'm just going to leave that out so I can do that. But, um, I, like, other than that, the uh, fit and finish, the finish on this thing is way better than the Norinco. Um, it's just, especially the, the exterior of the pistol is a lot nicer, uh, and the internal, um, machining is, <laughs> doesn't look like it, they, they had like, uh, tooling that they've used for thousands and thousands of pistols after the tooling was worn out, still being used on this thing. So a lot yeah. nicer. Um, yeah. uh, I need to interrupt with something very important. Uh, Karen, if you're listening, you need to go shooting with your husband. Slam fire said so. <laughs> Yeah, Karen, go I shooting. Go shooting, Karen. Take your <laughs> take your husband shooting. Yes. And then and then make him buy you something nice. Yes. All right. <laughs> if you'd like to send the show an email, send an email over to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Uh, Trevor, did you want to read this uh, this iTunes review? Do I have to? Wow. Just stalling so I could get no. it open. All right. So the author is Shamira River Root. Shermerman? Shermerman Rude? Sherman Rude? Sherman Rude. Sherman Rude. Yes. And the title is Invisible Ink. Review. Great calendar. One the girlfriend won't mind hanging up. One question. Is the calendar number written in Invisible Ink? Also, great show. The rotate, great 
show the rotating of hosts that are no. unavailable is awesome. The roasting. The roasting. roasting. <laughs> 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 oh, heavens. All right. And Kelly, you figured right. out the bean pod thing, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Or pod bean. Pod bean. Freaking dyslexic. It's pod bean. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. That's what it is, and I hate it. Yes. No, it's uh, awesome. Actually, I like it a lot better than I do. Now we're rotating bean pod. Yeah. But I didn't figure it out. So. Did you want to read that one from Andrew? So, Andrew R., yes. He says, I started listening to Slam Fire Radio in October 2017 and have steadily been working my way through older episodes. I really enjoy the show. It's a good blend of news, information, and humor. In my opinion, there's no better way to spend half the half hour each week commute he's probably only listening to trevor's what i didn't guns actually well, you know what's funny <laughs> is he's watching us live while driving right now because andrew is in the live chat right now oh is he mm-hmm. yeah so he hey, must andrew. be watching us while driving that's dangerous andrew mm-hmm. <laughs> anyways so he apparently watches or listens to a, uh he so okay so no better way to spend the half hour each way commute to work and the hour and change each way commute to the gun range. Oh my gosh, that's a long ways away. Um, where if I'm lucky, I might run into one of the hosts. I can't wait to meet two or more hosts as, this summer at the Furlachi course. He must be in Alberta. And if He's Project Maple Oh, if Project Maple Seed ever comes to Alberta, we were there last year. We're going again this year. Uh, then I'll, I'll have a then I will have the whole set and keep up the great work. So, yeah. So if he's in Edmonton, then we will see him definitely. Yeah. And Andrew, if you want to, the pub night, where is the pub night? I know it's around there. July 13th, Friday, July 13th is, uh, it's definitely, definitely trying to make it up to that one. But, uh, if he's actually going to be at the Furlachi course, it's going to be great too. Yeah. I shoot three gun with Andrew. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, if you want to leave an iTunes review or a, this is a Podbean one, right? Yes, it's Podbean. A Podbean review. Uh, go ahead and do so. Uh, we have many reviews from people who love the show, and we love that when people review us because it just makes it easier for other people to uh, to find us out there. And they love that we love that they love. That we love them to love the review. Yes, yeah. that's critical right there. Yeah, that point. Uh, Shout outs, Trevor. Uh, yes. Um, who do I got on there? I got Cody, mm-hmm. um, for hooking me up with this, um, awesome stock setup and a good price. And, um, Stacy for the help with the letter. I think I did that already. And, uh, Adriel for, um, selling me his Beretta and, I, and, and I will pay for it. So you just go ahead and ship that. It'll be fine. It'll totally be fine. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> look at look at this face. This is the face of a guy. I pay for my guns. Eventually. Uh, yeah. Uh Matthew, do you have any shout outs? No, he doesn't. Uh, I don't have any. Uh Kelly, how about you? I have a couple. So first of all, I just wanted to say congratulations to Matthew and Jewel on the birth of their baby. We didn't really Yeah, say. we totally did that last week, but yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Myself, <laughs> baby Violet. Uh, I also wanted to say to Dan C. I said uh, I, I just wanted to say, uh, glad you uh, didn't die and you bounced back. Uh, so, <laughs> dear Dan, glad you didn't die. I remember everyone. Oliver hates kids. <laughs> and I also, no, I said I have no sympathy for kids. I didn't say I hate them. Oh, fair, fair. 
I think that, anyways. And then I also wanted to say, Karen, go and take Michael shooting. But you already said that, so yeah. you took the yeah. you stole my thunder. Okay, that's it. All right, Brian. I'm going to shout out all our other listeners who also didn't die, because without you, we, we wouldn't have a show. <laughs> Thank you for not dying. Yes, and in particular, Ginger Snaps, I, I heard your message on the last show. Uh, I, just something for you to think about. Because you're a Patreon, you're now paying to listen to me. Just let that <laughs> ruminate inside your head for a bit there, bud. We're going to lose money. <laughs> we are going to lose money, because I'm going to cancel all my Patreonies. They build me in U.S. currency now. I don't think they ever build in U.S. currency. Seriously, you're going to cancel on your own show? For the yep. second time. <laughs> I, I noticed that. You read. Yeah. All right. Let's speaking about Patreonies. Uh, we've got two new Patreonies. We do. One of them, Jesse D at three bucks. And the other one, Richard B at one. And I will definitely get some in the mail. Too sweet here. Swag. Some swag, yeah. And get going so, on those t-shirts. Actually, I need to do an order anyway, so I'm going to do an order of t-shirts and a bunch of, whole bunch of other stuff. You guys want t-shirts, right? T-shirts? Yes, yes. t-shirts are good. T-shirts? Yep. Yeah. And we need... Uh, do we need... Does everybody have a golf shirt? Like, as in us? I don't. No, you don't Adriel have your own golf shirt yet. Adriel didn't no. get one, so we should probably talk. Well, you guys, keep get, <laughs> you guys keep giving me, like, mediums, and it's like, I can't fit a medium. I could try. No. It's like, skim's forming. Very... <laughs> Tight sausagey. It's like you've got a sausage wrapper on. Uh, all right. Please join one or more of our national firearms associations, such as the CCFR or CSSA. Uh, get out and shoot your 1911s and 2011s and guns that are like the 2011 and have the same frame but aren't quite 2011s. Uh, try a three gun match, bust out some uh, sporting clays, and uh, try out, uh, you know, hunting some grouse or something. Check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. We have a forum over there and uh, like us on Facebook. That's where a lot of the gun discussion is these days. I was listening to um, Three Gun Podcast and they were talking about how most matches now are a Facebook page. And yeah, I'm totally yeah. seeing that as well. Most matches don't bother with a website anymore or yeah, anything. That's what we, we have a with, Facebook um, page. Yep. Yeah, uh, SummerSlam is a Facebook page now. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's kind of become the place to I don't know make these events. It'd be sad if they uh, eventually get rid of us, but uh, you know that's their prerogative, I guess. Nobody and uh, yeah, yeah. And finally, um, just to wrap things up, uh, Karen, uh, go shooting. <laughs> go, Karen, go shooting. Go go shooting with a 1911, Karen. Okay, I'm I'm having a real hard time with this, Trevor. I still I'm I'm not I'm not used to you in 1911s yet. <laughs> okay, well, how about this, Brian? How about an SKS in one hand and a 1911 in the other? <laughs> this huh? is not working. What the heck? <laughs> the world is upside down. I don't believe in nothing no more. Uh, with that, I think uh, he hung up. Yes, probably. I hope so. Did he? Yeah. Sweet. That was easy. (laughs) So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.